When I started to realize that, I looked back and I just had these aha moments of, it was never about the thing. It was about who you're becoming and who you're connecting with along the way. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with Lori Harder, the author of A Tribe Called Bliss. Listen to why she believes our tribes have the power to move us from transition to transcending. Hey there, this is Patrice from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. This is the first episode technically that I'm recording after my trip to France with my own girlfriends in a business mastermind that we created about three years ago called The Legendary Collective. And on that trip, I had an opportunity to read the book, A Tribe Called Bliss, and oh boy, did it bless me. I'm telling you, if you have a friend, a girlfriend, a guy friend, any friends that you are trying to go deeper in your relationships with, then you need to pause and share this episode with them right now. You already know if you are an OG listener, when I say that you need to pause and take action or get some paper out and take some notes, that I am always right. I always, always tell you the truth. This episode is so rich and I'm so excited that not only did I have the opportunity to record this episode for our podcast, but I also recorded for Lori's podcast. So we had two hours of just love fest and wisdom. <laughs> it's just been amazing. Absolutely amazing. If you're new to Redefining Wealth, this is a community where we believe that wealth is more than money and material possessions. So you might be asking yourself, what the heck does a tribe or creating your tribe have to do with wealth? And we believe in the people pillar here, which is about creating relationships that matter. And the only way that we can cut through the surface stuff, the superficial stuff, and get really deep and build connections is to have these type of conversations. I know that in my own life, so many of the opportunities that I've received have come through relationships, not through pitching, not through submitting myself, not through manipulating or trying to force anything, but simply because I built relationships with people that where they became an advocate and they just wanted to see me win. And so I'm really excited that one of the people who I've built a great relationship with, and he's a past guest on this podcast, is Tim Story. I went to his event some months ago and Lori was speaking at the event and within 10 minutes she blew my mind. And I'm just so glad that I had the opportunity to get her book, read it on a 10-hour flight <laughs> to France, and really just absorb it. And my group is even looking at implementing several of the things that Lori talks about so that we can go even deeper and have greater relationships. So this is exciting. Lori Harder is a leader in facilitating transformation through mindfulness, fitness, and self-love. She helps people lock in their transformation by teaching how to create lasting relationships that support their goals long-term. As a successful entrepreneur running two seven-figure businesses, network marketing professional, number one best-selling author, TEDx speaker, 10-time cover model, and three-time fitness world champion... This girl is bad. She offers a carefully curated set of practical tools to promote sustainable health, spiritual well-being, and emotional thriving. She is the creator of the Top 100 Earn Your Happy podcast with more than 7 million downloads. She's also the founder of the Bliss Project event with thousands of women who've attended and the author of the wonderful book, the best-selling book, A Tribe Called Bliss. Without further ado, here's Lori Harder. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Lori. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to have you here. So the audience already knows that on my way to France, I was reading A Tribe Called Bliss. Can I tell you, girl, you just did your thing with this book? <laughs> like I love this book right now, especially because I was on the plane headed to a mastermind group with other women. 
in France and it was just so appropriate. You gave me all kind of get it together, girl vibes. Like, Mm -hmm. thank you. (laughs) Okay. I'm, I'm excited about that for so many reasons because number one, we were both in Europe or headed to Europe, which I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is awesome. Knowing that I had a podcast with you when we got back. Yeah. And then also just that number one, you were reading the book because not everybody does, just being really honest. And you were headed to a mastermind with women. And I know that you, just through how you were talking right then, like I knew that you were experiencing it, like Mm -hmm. because of maybe things that you've been through, or just really, if you're female and you have had female friends, you have probably gone through 90% of what I talk about in the book. So I was really, really um, excited to chat with you. So thank you so much for bringing it with you. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm, I'm so glad that I did. It was the perfect read for me. And just even starting with the dedication, Lori, you talked about behind every successful woman is a tribe of women who have her back. Mm. Girl, mm-hmm. that's what we all need. But I know because we've been through so much, a lot of women give up on that. They give up on the ideal that there can be a tribe of women who really, genuinely, authentically just want to see them win. And I so get that because I gave up and I was so lonely. There was always something missing. You know those moments in your life where you can even be having the most incredible weekend with your spouse or with your guy friends or just in life in general. Maybe you feel like you're so self-sufficient, like you really don't need anyone because maybe you have so many great things going on. Maybe you have a great career or maybe, like I said, you're just self-sufficient. But all of a sudden, there's always those moments where you just hit those times in your life where you are empty or lonely and you can't figure out why. You can't figure out why. And that kept happening to me over and over. And I thought there is something, what's going on? What is missing here? I have this amazing husband. I have this awesome life, but I am really empty in these certain areas. And it took a whole lot of trying and figuring it out to realize that I was missing that community. I was missing like that sisterhood that, you know, I think that we've been cut off from for so many different reasons. I know for me, it was protective mode. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a million different reasons for other people, but it was just really eye-opening to me to be like, really, this is it? Because this is the exact place I don't want to go. This is exactly (laughs) where I don't want to go. Well, I think too, especially in the day and age that we live in right now with social media Mm -hmm. and this kind of quest for perfection or having this look of perfection, if you will, where you don't share your struggles or those deep, dark secrets or those big audacious fears and all of that publicly, because, you know, in a lot of ways we're told that that makes us look weak or Mm -hmm. it doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the pretty pictures and the glossy photos and the, oh my gosh, look at my life reaction that you want people to have. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it makes you shy away from being in communities or circles where you can just freaking tell the truth, Mm -hmm. all of the truth, and be vulnerable enough to let yourself go through that with someone else instead of doing it alone. And even Mm -hmm. our spouses are great. They they can't be our end-all, be-all. No one person can be everything for you. That was a huge aha for me because I really thought that I would be fine having that one friend or having my husband And at the end of the day, it was like, we are so diverse. We have Mm -hmm. so many different parts of us that we are meant to have a bunch of different people in our lives in order to be able to access those different parts of us. Otherwise, it's like, you know, my husband doesn't want to, I love to analyze. I'm such an analyzer. And in order for me to feel complete or to feel like something in my life, especially if something came up that doesn't feel good or, or something's going wrong, if I don't peel back every layer of that onion and talk about it, like I'm not complete. <laughs> girl, well, you can call me from now on because I'm your girl. Like I analyze everything. I'm like, okay, I analyzed it once, but what about from this direction? Like I, I haven't, I need to see it this way now. My husband is absolutely, he is so linear. He's like, here's the answer. Here's the one way. Here's what it looks like. And I'm like, 
oh my God, no. Like, and that makes it even worse for me. So, and there's so many different places in my life where this is exactly what it looks like, where this person is great for this. This person is great when I feel this way. This person is amazing when I want adventure. This person's amazing when I just want to let go and not care about what I'm talking about. And I didn't realize how beautiful and rich and full life can be when we collect people, when we collect people for the different parts of us that we have. And I really believe that we, we need other people in our life to know who we are fully because we don't get to access those pieces because I believe that pieces of us live in other people, not saying we need them to feel complete, but we need them to help access our complete selves. Oh, that's good. That's good. And and what I love about that, you talked about that in the book. And what I really connected with was not having expectations mm. of each of those people being the end-all be-all, like really just accepting and allowing people to be who they're supposed to be for us mm. and, and being okay with that. And I think also giving ourselves permission to not be anyone else's end-all be-all. Mm-hmm. Oh, I struggled with this so hard because I, you know, it's very easy to look on the outside and think something is one way, right? That's like our whole life is, yes. is really trying to figure this out, that looking at something is not the full story. And I think what I took reflected back to me at a really young age, whether it was through movies or through different people that I looked at or different people that I admired was all of these women that I admired seemed to have these best friends because that was part of what I admired about them. They just had these best friends. And I thought, oh my God, that's just your person. Like you find your person and they're matched with you perfectly and they support you and you laugh and you have the best time of your life. And no matter what happens in your life, you have your person. (laughs) And so, God, I feel so bad for the women that came in my life because they they were measured up to this person who didn't actually exist. And I was like, okay, well, if they don't get my humor and they're not laughing at my jokes, because that's very important to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if they don't think I'm the most hilarious person on earth, and if we can't have this good time, but if we can't also analyze everything and we can't sit and do this or that, and they don't like, I just had this best friend checklist that I didn't even know I had. And it was like, if they wouldn't measure up and they would not check the boxes, I would write them off. I'd be like, this isn't it. This can't be it because it's not, she's not even ticking off half of my list. (laughs) And so, and so what did that do for me? It was like, I had no friends. You know, I had a really hard time connecting with people. And also it didn't help that I was raised in a a very restrictive, smaller religion. So it was like in the community I was in, I was in a really small town in upper Michigan, which meant the next church of this particular church was far away. So I could, I only had like three girls to choose from, which, you know, that's not a whole lot of people to choose from, especially if my list is very long. So I remember just thinking, wow, I don't feel connected to people because for me to allow a full connection, like for me to show up and allow people to see me, I really withheld if they didn't meet a criteria. And I didn't even know I was doing this. I mean, I'm like 10 years old, but I already had this checklist. Uh, It followed me though. It followed me through a large portion of my life. (laughs) Wow. So I remember a story that you tell in the book about, I think being invited to a party a swimming party or something mm. and you were getting ready to dive and how before then you just were kind of this carefree, happy upbringing, mm-hmm. just happy kid, adventurous and carefree. And then you get to the pool and the kids were chanting what? Mm, they were chanting whale. They were saying whale, whale, whale over and over. And I literally remember having a moment of why are they saying that? Like I didn't understand it. And it was so just a a moment of almost like an innocence lost, like that, that flip the switch moment of who you thought you were is not what they think you are. And realizing Mm -hmm. that who you think you are in your head is now I was almost replacing it, like saying, wow, what you think must be the end all be all because 
what I think may, must not be real. It was just a, a crazy moment of swapping who I believed I was for listening to who other people thought I was. And I remember also literally, I was young. I was like 11 years old. So I was on, I was on this diving board and really in that moment thinking, if they think this about my body, how on earth can I love myself? How on earth can I love this body that I have to live in? And it was like this immediate shame and wanting to hide. So I went from this time in my life, because even from a young kid, I've always just wanted to make people laugh. I've always just wanted to have fun. I've always just wanted to be the person who is kind of the, uh, you know, just makes everybody feel really good and laugh. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to make people feel good. And it was just this moment of being so ashamed of who I was and almost thinking like the jokes on me. Like I really thought I, I liked who I was, you know, that feeling when you're a kid and you're like, I like me. I'm oh. awesome. Like I'm funny. Yeah. I'm amazing. And it was just a, a complete shedding of that in that moment. And whether you're 11 or whether you were eight or whether you were 14 or whether you're 25, when that happened, I think we all have that moment where we trade in who, you know, that innocence or who we feel we are like the truth. We trade yeah. in the truth for someone else's lie. And that was my moment. And I connected with that. I probably teared up. I'm not going to lie. I think I read it over and over again because I was in a bit of disbelief. I was mm-hmm. like, but wait, she was just riding a bike through the leaves. And wait. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and now like, wait, wait, wait a minute. And I know for me, the first time that I had like an awareness of what people thought or what this person thought I looked like. It was, you're too black and look at you, your lips are big and your nose is thick. And before that, I thought I was just fine. I never mm. had an awareness of being fine or not fine. You know what I mean? Right. It was just my face. Like, yeah, that's it. And <laughs> so, but it was from my tribe at the mm. time. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of us tend to think of, our issues within a tribe or within a group of women or something like that from when we kind of get older, but these things can start really young for you, you know, thinking Mm -hmm. you're being invited to the birthday party or whatever it was, summer party. And, you know, you are ready to dive in and have a great time with everyone else. And then it's like, they turn on you almost. Mm -hmm. You don't even see it coming. And for me, the same thing, it was a family tribe, but Mm -hmm. I was like eight, nine years old before I came into awareness of what they were saying I look like. I didn't have any frame of reference before then and how that really plants a seed. Don't you think that? Oh my God. Because these are your people. So it must, you know, they meant something to you. So this must mean something. So it always has to, it's so interesting because looking back, it's like, it has to come from people that mean something to us in order for us to really, you know, I know we talked about this on, your podcast that you did on, on my show, but it really, it's like, that's where the blessing and the lesson is. And we wouldn't get it if it wasn't someone closest to us, but also it's like, Oh, it makes us just reassess everything. Because if it wasn't, you know, if it was outside of our social circle or someone who was important to us, it'd be a whole lot easier to write it off and not worry about it. But when it's close to us, it's like, maybe I am wrong. Maybe there is something wrong with me. And it does happen. I think most of the things that we think about now and bother us and, and carry, you know, carry with us, or especially in relationships, these are things that happen when we're six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. Oh. And we start making that meaning. We start making. We start seeing things through that lens from the lens of when we were nine years old. So. I think that it's so important to look back on those moments and say, oh my God, that's why I feel this way about women. Or, oh my God, that's why I feel this way when I'm the center of attention. That's why I get manic attacks when I feel this way. It's like, don't write those things off, really look at them and go back and see, uh, you know, that's a lot of the work that I do with myself right now is going back to that time when I was a kid and giving myself what I need mentally Uh and emotionally and saying what I need to myself, because I'm the same nine-year-old if I don't, if I don't deal with that situation, if I go back and give myself what I need, I'm going to literally be taking my nine-year-old self into my 37-year-old like (laughs) moment with someone else. 
So that's a lot of work that I do is actually going back to saying, when did this happen? What was this about? How can I go back and help myself through this situation? Right. And how can I go back and see those people for where they were at that time, which I mean, hurt people hurt people. So it's not so much about, well, they didn't know better. I really can look back on a lot of different times in my life now and have such compassion. And even when people do things to this day, now currently, that there's that one part, there's Patrice Cunningham, my maiden name from (laughs) South Central Los Angeles, who wants to just get with you. And then there's (laughs) Washington, who's done a lot of self-development and personal, you know, personal self-development and all this stuff where I'm like, wow, what's, what's going on that will make someone behave that way? Mm-hmm. Like, this is not even about me. Mm-hmm. Like, you think you're attacking me, but you, really, this is about you. And I, I feel for you, like, who hurt you as a little girl? Who did something to you as a young man in middle school? Or, you know, like, it really gives you another layer of compassion when you can take the time, as we do with analyzing. <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out to all the analyzers. Like, take the time. <laughs> To go back and think about that, you can really have a new level of forgiveness for people because they're, mm-hmm. they did what they did because they were hurt. And someone said something to them that they never took the time to analyze and come to some conclusions about. And so they just kept passing on that bad behavior. And it's unfortunate. But I want to know from you why you have become so passionate about helping us create these tribes and why a tribe called bliss? Like, why did you intentionally choose that word? Mm, I'm so passionate about it because I really believe that I kind of pushed and scratched my way to what I thought was success. And in, in my personal opinion, it was, you know, achieving your goals. It was making money. It was just becoming who you feel is somebody in your eyes that is maybe someone you used to look up to or whatever that looks like. And to me, like I said, I kind of scratched my way there and pushed. And it's so crazy because every single achievement that I would get to was lonely and I wouldn't even celebrate it. And it was like, okay, what's next? What's next? What? what's going to fulfill me. And no matter what I did, it was never fulfilling and it was never enough. And when I started to realize that I looked back and I just had these aha moments of, it was never about the thing. It was about who you're becoming and who you're connecting with along the way. And if you don't realize those things, and if you don't enjoy them, number one, it's kind of like, you're going to, you're going to hit a ceiling, no matter how much success you get to number one, it's never going to feel like enough. And it's also going to feel like you can't get any further because you need people, you need people. And it's not about using people. It's about truly connecting with people. And, you know, you said something earlier on in the conversation when, when we were chatting on my podcast, that was just so incredibly true. It's like, you said that the things that you have gotten in your life that have been great or your achievements have never, it's all come through your relationships and Mm -hmm. relationships without expectations. And I can tell you that now that is absolutely my truth. It's absolutely the case for me is that, and everything good in your life will come through your connections that you have without expectations. It's really just like the connections of wanting to do good for those people who make you feel good. And, you know, and it makes you feel good when you do those things. And that's why I'm so passionate about tribe is because all of the things that we think are going to fulfill us that are outside of tribe and connection typically will not even if they fulfill you short-term, the long-term is going to feel unfulfilling because even if you achieve something alone, you want to share it. Right. <laughs> and if you, you don't want to celebrate with you. It, exactly. It's like the worst thing that could ever happen. I'm telling you, like I, I had this, I had, I had won this title that I had been wanting forever. And it was like this incredible title in the, the fitness community. And I remember going back up to my hotel room after winning it and being like, 
who do I tell? And I was looking on Facebook because I had posted it and it was just all of these comments, like hundreds and hundreds of comments of people that I didn't really know that well saying congratulations and all of these nice things. But it wasn't like this group of people. It wasn't these people who truly were sitting with me and being like, wow, way to go. I'm celebrating like it was my own. Like, this is amazing. I'm so excited for you. I know how hard you were and, and like really enjoying that. It was this moment of, wow, this really is actually so lonely. Mm. Like, this is so lonely. And I looked back and thought, I missed it. Like, I missed what this thing was actually supposed to be about. It was supposed to be about all the relationships that you make along the way. And then you have all of these amazing people to go out and celebrate with. And I didn't have that. Mm. And it was just heartbreaking. And I thought, oh my God, how many other people are doing this right now? Like how many of us are chasing something and thinking that this is going to be the thing and you get to the thing and I couldn't sit and tell somebody like how, how bad would this sound? How bad would this sound? Oh my God, I just won this thing and, and I should be feeling so amazing, but I feel so empty. Like I couldn't share that with right. anyone because that sounds like so bad. Right. <laughs> you're sitting there like thinking that you're completely ungrateful for this amazing thing that happened, but it wasn't that I was ungrateful. It was, it was a moment of massive realization that yes, goals are so, I think goals are so important. I think growth is so important. I think achievement is important if it's something, you know, that you really desire, but I think what is running parallel to that is also the connections that are going to go with that and, and cultivating those and making sure that you nourish those and making sure, you know, that growth is also within your relationships. Mm. That's so good. There's just nothing more important than that human connection, mm-hmm. which is why even having, like you said, you have hundreds of comments and that's nice. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like, who's going to answer the phone for you? Like, who's mm-hmm. going to leave where they are to come see about you? Yes. Who's going to sit and hold your hand when, when you need it the most? That's what I always think about, but you really are stretching me with this idea of the structure that you add with tribes. But before I really get into that, I want to know why you chose bliss, though, because I think that bliss is one of those words that people say, but do they really even know what it means Mm. and how to really define it without talking about stuff or kind Mm. of superficial stuff? So I kind of want to hear why you chose the word bliss, a tribe called bliss, and what bliss is and what it's not. Okay. So I love this. So first of all, I'm going to tell you the book title was totally just a moment of a download. Like it was a full body goosebumps. Like it was, that was it. The title came and I was like, Oh my God, that's my title. (laughs) Um, I think sometimes when those things happen, those are signs that I really noticed. Cause for me, it was full body from my head, like from my toes to my head, I had full goosebumps, God bumps, whatever you want to call them. And I was like, okay, this is like very physical. So this is a sign for me. Let's roll with it. But bliss has been something that's been a theme for a lot of the different things that I do. I have an event called the bliss project that I've done for like six years. And I have uh, some e-courses that like the bliss habit. And I just talk a lot about bliss because I think that it's a word that people just kind of summarizes, I think the search for something that's somewhat impossible if we define it like I think most people define it. So let me talk through my chaos that I just created there. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I love the word bliss because I think that it's the search of bliss. It's the journey to bliss that is the bliss. It's not the actual destination. We, I think when you hear the word bliss, you think it's a destination point, which is weird because it's just a word. And it's like, I have found bliss. Like it's a place and there is no place of bliss ever, ever, ever. Like, even if you could describe what bliss is to me, that place is not bliss unless you are choosing each moment headed there and each moment in it to be blissful for you. So it's like the seeking of bliss is bliss. The Mm. defining or the discovering of your bliss is bliss. The, the choice to choose it is bliss. Like I could find, I'm finding bliss in this moment because I'm truly saying, wow, this is 
a moment of bliss for me, connection and the journey of something that I used to think. If I was talking about the beginning of a podcast journey, right? Like maybe there's people listening to this right now who are like, I want a podcast because it will bring me this, or mm-hmm. I want a podcast because of X, Y, and Z, or it'll get this message out there. Or maybe I can use it to sell, or maybe I'll use it for this. And it's kind of like, yes to those things, but really the bliss is in the actual moment of the connection with a new person and mm-hmm. we overlook it. So we miss it. So I think bliss is missed all of the time because it's in the route to what we think it is. So that's why I love bliss is it's just kind of like it exists if you choose it. Otherwise you'll always be in search of it. Oh, that's good. (laughs) That's good. I'm going to read something from the book that you said about bliss too, that I had to underline dog ear. (laughs) It says bliss is the gap between my goals that I used to wish I could skip over. Bliss is knowing I have the power over my feelings and not giving it away to someone else. Bliss is trusting myself. My bliss is feeling fully expressed, unapologetically me, and feeling an unshakable sense of acceptance, alignment, and belonging within my own self. Girl, I was like, this is me. I identified with that so much, the gap between my goals that I used to wish I could skip over. Mm. And now realizing how I can choose, just like I, my audience knows I use choose peace quite a bit. And I've really been in a season with that, but I can choose bliss in the journey from thing to thing. Like I can just choose it. I can choose Mm -hmm. to see it in anything. Mm. And isn't that just powerful? Oh. I'm just blown on how powerful that actually is when you really think about the fact that you have the power to choose. Oh my God. You know, you're like, I have chills right now because I'm just really thinking about how powerful it is when humans realize that bliss is just in the moment that you choose. And that is it. The magic is in the mundane and the mundane is like every single, <laughs> that's yeah. like our life, right? Like we're waiting for these, these defining moments And honestly, they don't really ever come. They don't really ever come because most of the time, even when they do come like this moment that you think you've been waiting for, like, let's, let's use one of the most defining moments in most people's lives, their wedding day. And a lot of times people are so not present for it that (laughs) the bliss doesn't even exist because they're worried. They're so worried about if their guests are having fun. They're so worried about, you know, did things turn out right? They're worried about controlling something. They're worried about maybe they're nervous and then they drink too much and they miss all of it. Like it's, it's what we do. We kind of miss these moments and, and the magic of a wedding day when we really, when we look back to is it's not only the day, it's like the year of planning up to it. Like that's the most exciting year of your life. Like, and people just skip it. We miss it. it. We miss it. (laughs) The bliss Mm -hmm. because we're looking for it to be a destination of some kind. And it's Mm -hmm. just not, it's not a place. Oh, that is so good. Okay, so Tribe Called Bliss. So going back to tribes, you kind of developed a formula Mm -hmm. for kind of shaping your tribe, for making your tribe successful. Can you kind of give us some, just some tips on if we know that we need to create a tribe, we are ready to get off of this island by ourselves and know that when things get rough, there's someone who's willing to paddle through this water <laughs> with us. You know, there's someone who's willing to swim back to land with us and encourage us and all that stuff. And how do we do it? Especially mm-hmm. how do we do it as a skill set thing? Like, are there some very technical things I think you talk about in the book? But then from a mindset perspective, how do we mm-hmm. let go and trust the process? Mm. Okay. So th- this is such a great question because I really think that the number one thing that women are looking for right now is real connection because we are more powerful than ever. We can start businesses. We can do whatever the heck we want to be quite honest. And we know that, and that's the important thing. We know that except we're feeling a bit lonely. We're feeling a bit lost. We're kind of like, wow, these are new problems. Who am I going to talk to this about? I'm feeling like other women may be going through this with me or, or how can I not feel so alone? Or how am I going to be able to handle all of the things that come with all of this? 
And I think it's vital for people to not only have a tribe, but also to create a supportive structure within their tribe. Because I think what can happen, and I know what happened for me was I have maybe started groups or connected with different women who I'm like, okay, women friends, this is great. All right. So what do women friends do? (laughs) Women friends. Yeah. All right. (laughs) You can tell like I didn't have a lot of women friends. I'm like, okay. All right. So I I think that we go to like happy hours or or we go out and lunch wine or we have brunch. And then, so I'm doing all these things that I think are supposed to make me feel like I'm connected to women and, and I'm coming home from brunches or from a wine night or a dinner. And while it was nice and it felt like I was, okay, I'm here. I'm with this group. I would go home feeling not quite connected. Like I would go home feeling maybe not quite seen or heard. I would go home feeling not very fulfilled and more just full or hungover to be quite honest. (laughs) Like, oh man, I have to drink, you know, two, three cocktails to even feel like I can start talking about stuff that I feel like matters. Or why are we talking about this again? Like this superficial conversation. Yes, very superficial conversation. So I wanted to like get into it, right? I wanted the meat. Like I wanted to know these women. I wanted to feel like we connected. I wanted to feel like we did this for a purpose. And like, I want to be here for you and I want you to be here for me. So how in the heck do we do that without actually asking for it? right? Like what if we actually got intentional with how we connected? And I know for some people that might sound a bit crazy. Like, well, what would that even look like? Like intentional connecting? Well, it's just that, like you have to go find other people who also want the same exact thing, but how do you do that? Oh my God, you have to ask them with specific questions. And I thought this is not going to be for everyone. I knew when I wrote this book, this would not be for everyone. I knew people would read it and I knew that they would get they would definitely get things out of it. But I thought the women who were like me, who really wanted a real connection and real supportive tribe, I wanted to give them something that worked. And I knew this worked because I've been doing this the past four years of my life. And I can truly trace back majority. I would say 95% of all great things that have happened, um, things that I've worked through, just major aha moments have come from this group. So it's a very structured tribe and it's about um, meeting once a week or once every other week or even once a month, but being really specific with your meetings, really making sure that you are asking questions that bring up what's really hot for you right now. What's going on? What's blocking you? What's fun? What's not fun? What's lighting you up? What do you want to work? Like, what do you want to move through? Where do you need the most support? And also making sure that this conversation has an equal energy exchange within every participant because I'm a complete introvert, believe it or not. So I can spend most (laughs) I can spend majority of my day being quiet and really loving life. Me too. (laughs) People never believe that. No, me either. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. They're like, what? I'm like, no, really. Like the most I talk is when you hear me talk, like on the podcast. So for me, I take a listener's role. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a natural observer. I'm a natural listener, but what can happen for natural listeners and observers is that we never feel heard because we'll get in a conversation and just, we'll be happy listening, observing, and then maybe coaching, right? Like maybe we'll talk, but we'll be talking for a long time about helping or coaching somebody. And we can leave that conversation feeling really depleted. Mm -hmm. And it's not that that's not part of a conversation, but it's only 50%. So if you're constantly only in one half of a conversation, one half of you is always going to walk around feeling extremely empty. So I thought, okay, so I want to provide some rules and some structure for people like me, but how about people on the other side who maybe talk and they don't realize that they're talking so much that they're actually missing a big part of what they need as well. And that's maybe listening so that they can really understand so that they can really know that they're not alone, that yes, this is going on in other people's lives too. Right. And there's so many other things around that, that I'm missing as an observer and someone who's more quiet and also that the people who tend to do more of the talking that they're missing. So I wanted to give opportunities for all kinds of people. And I wanted to make up rules for all kinds of people who haven't had a background that I've had, who, how can I connect with a woman who I think is completely different than me? How can I gravitate towards people who I wouldn't normally gravitate towards because I must be missing massive perspective from people that I avoid. So how can I start, like, how can we all connect? 
So I realized that we all need structure or we're just going to avoid each other and go with the people we're, we're most comfortable with at all times. And the people we're most comfortable with can often allow us to stay in our comfort zone. So um, that's really what I wanted to create through these seven sacred agreements, which I'm just going to run through them. One is always be your own guru. And I thought that was such an important one because I think we can lose ourselves in relationships sometimes, especially if we're people pleasers. We want to listen to people. We want to ask for advice because it's easy to ask for advice and take advice because we often don't have to, if something goes wrong, we don't have to blame ourselves. And <laughs> you know what I have to quote you here from the book on this one too, because you, you said in that section that every relationship has unspoken agreements that mm-hmm. we adhere to when we decide to form any type of bond. And when something goes unspoken, it will eventually be broken, not maliciously, but because there's an unstated expectation and lack of clear communication. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. just that whole, the agreements and why that is so important. I loved that you put such context to it because people will hear, okay, have a biweekly call and here's the roles and keep it to an hour. And they'll hear those things, but they have to really understand. And I've been in groups where they were compromised or almost compromised because we didn't have these seven sacred agreements. So Mm -hmm. I just have to set that up. These are really important to building a tribe that actually thrives, right? I love that you brought it up because... Something that we do whenever we meet people and we don't realize we're doing it is we think that they know what we want out of this relationship. Mm -hmm. They think that we know, or, or I think that they know what I am thinking. And it's like, sometimes when I meet a woman, I think that, okay, we're going to be friends. Like to me, a friend, my new woman friend, (laughs) my new woman friend, which means you're going to know that this is when I need you most is when, you know, I'm getting ready for an event or when I'm speaking and I really hope that you support me around this, or you should know that if I don't text you for a month, that's kind of who I am and how I am. So don't worry about it. And her agreement is if you don't text me every week, I think you hate me. Her agreement is I want massive support around my children. And I'm like, Oh, I don't have kids. So I don't know that. Like, I don't understand that. And to me, that's not a thing. So it's kind of like, you have to, you have to speak and know each other's agreements and state them. And also say, you know what, that agreement doesn't really jive with me. Like, I'm not going to be able to call you once a week. That's just not who I am. It's going to drive me crazy. Where can we find, where can we meet in the middle? You know, Mm -hmm. if that's something that you want to do, or how could this look so that it serves both parties and nobody ever gets offended? Because that's another thing, right? You can break an agreement and then never tell them that they broke one of your agreements. Like they could break one of your agreements, I mean, and you could never tell them. So then how many times have we done that? A woman's hurt you. You never even tell her and you just write her off. And she's like, where'd you go? And you're like, "Mm, not going to tell you, but you broke my agreement. (laughs) So, so many different things are going on that we don't talk about. And we're like, why are we not getting along? Why are these relationships what I want? Well, we're not actually saying what we want. We're not actually saying what we need because we're so afraid that we're going to show up as bossy or they're not going to like us, or we're being bitchy, or we're being whatever, whatever the term has been coined that is stuck in your head that you're afraid of. It's like, we've kind of been, I don't know about you, but I was taught by my mom just to, to not show it, to cover it up, to hide it and to people please. Uh So years of that has gotten me just massively resentful. So I thought, what are some agreements that can work through all of this ancient, all of these ancient wounds in this history of like how we are treating each other? So that's really where the agreements came from. They're brilliant. Okay. So agreement number one, always be your own guru. Mm -hmm. That one was huge for me because I was looking externally for everything. There was a point in my life where it was like, I, I swear to you, if I attended another personal development event, it was like, I was like, what else is coming into town? Who else can I go listen to? What else can I do in order for me to finally start this thing? It was like, I was putting off starting what I knew I was going to be, what my purpose was and what my calling was, because I was waiting for someone to tell me that I was ready. I was waiting for someone to tell me how to do it, how to say it, that I was smart enough. And I thought, it was just this aha moment. It was actually at an event where it was like, I, I have everything. I'm good. Like I have to just begin. 
I have to stop looking externally and I have to trust myself. And there's this beautiful Wayne Dyer quote that says, when you trust yourself, you trust the very thing that created you. Mm -hmm. And it's just a moment of when I don't trust myself, I don't trust God. I don't trust the thing that created me. So just having that wisdom from within and knowing that we all have it, like stop denying that you have it. I know that it's scary because things can go wrong and you can get blamed. You can, you know, and there can be a whole lot of stuff that comes with it, but you're supposed to go through that. You're supposed to feel it. There's something beautiful on the other side. And when, when you trust in yourself, you trust in the very thing that created you. And that is so powerful for me to remember because I think when things are feeling scary, it's so easy to want to look outside and get that external validation. And that external validation is never going to lead you in the right direction. You can look at it and reference it. And then you can say, okay, that's a beautiful reference point. What is that reflecting back to me? Like, how do I feel about it? How is that making me feel? What direction is that kind of pointing me in? And does that feel good to me? And then taking it back to yourself and asking, you know, is this good for me? Is this right? What does this feel like? Because that is always going to lead you to exactly where you need to go, even when it feels absolutely crazy. Because there's been many times where I've been like, okay, what should I do now? And I'm like, oh no, I'm not doing that. And that, that scary thing is always the answer. So always be your own guru. That's, I mean, it's amazing. I love that it also says we always know even when we feel we don't. Yes. We always know. Okay. I want all of these. Okay. I know you can't (laughs) tell me all of them. So folks have to get the book, but I mean, we talked a little bit about releasing expectations. So let's go to agreement number three. I want to talk about the no gossiping. Like the way that you broke that down really blew my mind and that there were different levels to gossip, which I had never really heard uh, broken down. Can you just like tell us about that, the Mm -hmm. difference between the the different layers of gossiping? Honestly, this could have been agreement number one, because I, I really think, you know, as I toured around and talked about gossip, it was like, this was so big for people. And I had asked one of the rooms that I was in, and then I continued to ask all the rooms I was in. I was in like 10 different rooms with women throughout this book tour about why we aren't doing what we're truly afraid of and who we're truly afraid of when we think of doing the thing that we're called on the planet to do, like living into our purpose. And the resounding answer was that women were not afraid of men. They weren't afraid of like different things happening in the world or in their family. They were afraid of other women. And I was like, Oh my God. The answer was we were afraid of other women because of what other women were going to say about them. Uh And obviously this is gossip, whether it's gossip to your face or gossip behind your back. And Oh my God, we're literally being stopped because we're afraid of what other women are saying because we've been so hurt by it in the past. And I know that you can think of one right now that you've probably been like, Oh my God. Yeah. That was a, moment for me that was so painful that it really makes you think about what you're doing in the future. It really makes you think about, is it worth it to play big? Is it worth it to live into my purpose? And I know that people listening can really feel that because gossip is the first thing is it's care. It's character judgment, right? So it really is like tearing someone else down. And that's when I go into breaking into the good kind of gossip. And then there's a malicious kind of gossip and gossip is so important to talk about because words are so powerful. Words are so powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we look at what's going on right now and with our, with kids and with adults, it's like so much bullying is going on and people are killing themselves over what people are saying. So I, I do want to go there and say how important it is to say that this topic is I mean, it is so important to talk about and it's important to understand that how we be is what our kids are seeing. It's what our friends are seeing. And if we gossip, we're also telling ourselves that it's not safe for us to also be living in our purpose because if we're gossiping, we can't even trust ourselves. So how can we trust other people? Right. So, you know, and and how we be is all we see as well. So it's kind of like, if you're gossiping, you believe the world is gossiping. You believe everyone else gossips. So until you stop it, you can't actually change your belief about that either. So we live and die by words. So it's, it's vital to me to understand that gossip is when you talk about someone, you're actually, it's, it's like choosing to hurt someone at the most extreme level. 
kind of like killing part of someone's soul. And I, and I know that that's like really heavy, but But it's true. This is how important it is. is But it's true. You know, um, some malintentioned words, some gossip can literally cut people off from living in their purpose. Yes. Like it can stop people dead in their tracks from answering the call that's on their life because Mm -hmm. they are so consumed with the thought of what other people's opinions are. And I know I've been there. I've definitely been there and I'm grateful. I've done a lot of work and a lot of therapy and I'm always in therapy, but always like I'm always doing the work and analyzing and, you know, kind of doing self-reflection so I can feel it and see it creep up and I can push through. But it breaks my heart to think of the number of people who are listening right now to the sounds of our voice who know that the only reason they have not followed through on that big idea, on that big vision, on that next project or trying to go for whatever's next is because they said to themselves, but they said X, Y, Z about me, or what is so-and-so going to say about me? Or they have been telling people, and we don't even know how to quantify that. We hear that one person knows something and then we think that it's the whole world knows or better yet, even cares. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I've learned from myself with that is one, that gossip is a reflection of that person, not really Mm -hmm. of me, but two, that nothing really has meaning except for the meaning that I assign to it. Yes. I really can't get caught up in the what ifs that -hmm. people are talking about when I know what is. Mm. Like, I know who I am. I know why I do what I do. I know why I live the way I live. I know why I choose to do certain things or choose not to do other things. And even if people are speculating about what those things are, I don't control them. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and I can't live my life trying to prove something to them either because people who want to be unhappy or miserable just are going to be unhappy or miserable. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter at which point I kind of, you know, attack that from. I just kind of release them. But you said that we actually need gossip and Mm -hmm. I have to read this and then I promise Mm -hmm. we'll go. But I love it. We actually need gossip. Nothing makes you stand up for what you believe faster than the doubters. Mm -hmm. Nothing makes you more clear on your path than the judgment. Nothing makes you stronger than having to be your beliefs when they are challenged. Nothing makes you more compassionate than pain and nothing makes you understand forgiveness like hurt. Mm. Girl, another one. You took me out, Lori. Mm. I was pacing on the plane after I read that. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'll tell you that sentence came in a moment of like just being in it. I was in it, in a moment where someone had gossiped about me and it was so raw. And that is the beauty of it, you guys. That's that's why you felt it is because I have to live it to understand it. I have to live it to understand who I am. I have to live it to teach it and to teach it is my purpose. That's when you feel it, right? Otherwise we yeah. can't feel it. You can't teach from a place where you don't understand. So if you if you ask to live in your purpose, get ready for the lesson. Because in order to teach, you have to understand and you can't understand until you live it. So when you're in it, I know you can't think it while you're in the eye of the storm, but that is what you ask for. So I can't ever say, why? I'm like, oh, dang. Okay. Well, this is going to be something awesome to talk about later, but I'm in it right now. But that's That's the true understanding of who you are and what you're made of, because I didn't know how strong I was until, you know, so many of these different things happened. So I'm so grateful for it. And I'm also just grateful that it's hard and that people feel it and that they're in it as well. And that it's clarifying for them that it's all a part of it. And it's all just such a beautiful gift and lesson on the other side. Mm. Yeah, it It has really touched me. It really has. Mm. Before we get out of here, I always do these redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. Mm. So I'm going to ask you four quick questions and just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Perfect. How do you define success? Mm. Success to me is being able to find peace. It's growth and being able to go for uh, those things that light up your heart while finding peace along the journey. Mm, My favorite word. Mm. (laughs) How do you define wealth in three words or less? Oh, 
fulfillment, fun, and connection. Love it. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Hmm. Honestly, it was my first wealth book that just rocked my world because I actually needed to learn about money as wealth because for me, I rejected money. So it was Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. <laughs> See, Harv Ecker. Yes. That was one of my first and favorites. Oh, I, I loved it. <laughs> we're like, I think that we're long lost like twins or something. <laughs> we might be. A vanilla and chocolate version. We'll have to uncover that. Yes. We'll have to analyze that. Let's, let's peel back the onion. We're good. <laughs> okay. Fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. Ooh. My name is Lori. And the truth about wealth for me is that I will always be learning about what wealth is for me. I will always be redefining it. I like that. The truth, <laughs> you can always redefine it, but isn't that, that is so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can always redefine it. It's like so, different from year to year for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your priorities change, mm-hmm. you know, things change as you go through different seasons of your life. Mm-hmm. No matter in one doesn't matter in the next and so on and so forth. Yep. So, Lori, you have been a blessing. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. I got to give Tim Story a big old hug next time (laughs) I see him for connecting us because he could see it. He knew we were long lost twins. He didn't have to say why we needed to get together. He just said, you guys (laughs) together, you too. Come on. And this was magical. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast, which I'll make sure I share about. Just thank you for being such a blessing to my community. I really enjoyed the book and enjoyed the conversation even more. Mm, Thank you so much. What you can't see is I'm just like full on, like full eye smile, melt smile. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I'm so happy. Like I'm so, thank you so much. Like this was such a beautiful connection. I'm so grateful. All right. Didn't I tell you that Lori was amazing? This girl is like my vanilla twin. I promise you. I just love her. (laughs) I'm telling you, that book is getting me all the way together. I am in the process of creating a few different tribes because I really do agree with her that no one person, and I don't think any one group or community can be our end-all, be-all. I want some connections in my personal life, but also my professional life, but in different ways. And so I'm really starting to explore with myself what that means and what I really need. And I encourage you to do the same and to be okay with vocalizing what you need and what you want in order for you to thrive and really not miss your bliss. And guess what I have for you? Ooh, I have an extra copy. So when we met Lori that night, we got two copies of the book and I have been saving one. It's all nice and clean and crisp. And I've been saving it to the side so that I could bless one of you with the book, especially if you are serious about creating this type of group in your life. So you can enter to win, but you know, you got to follow some rules. You got to follow some rules. And here's the thing. I want you to go to redefiningwealthpodcast.com redefiningwealthpodcast.com and comment on this episode with your top two takeaways. But these two takeaways are not just for my episode. I want you to go and listen to my episode when Lori interviewed me for the Earn Your Happy podcast. You have to go and listen to both of these episodes. They're totally different. And it was so amazing. We've recorded them back to back and had two, you kind of got, you kind of have to piece them together to see how rich these two hours were that we spent together. So I want you to check out Earn Your Happy podcast, take a, get a takeaway from there, and then tell me what you got from this one. And we will put your names in that little randomizer that we use online. And the winner will get their copy of A Tribe Called Bliss. And you never know. You know how I like to do it. So I may actually throw a little something else in there. I have to think about it, what I can get you, what would be a blessing. But we'll do the random drawing, and then I will announce it on next week's episode, which is August 23rd. So that means that you kind of have to do this by the 21st. 
Yep. By the 21st, I'm going to take all the comments. August 21st, 2018, I'll take all the comments and um, we will figure out who the winner is. Okay. As always, I am so excited to just have an opportunity to connect with people like Lori and bring their wisdom to you because that's what this is all about. We are here to seek wisdom together. If you were new here, then I want to encourage you to subscribe and make sure you share your feedback. We love to hear from you. I am so open to hearing what you got from this episode. So feel free to do that at Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating, preferably five star, but you know, do your thing. (laughs) And until next time, I want you all to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Bye.